Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code PULPMX. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOSports.com and ThorMX. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast, Toronto Supercross wrap-up, and it is presented to you by Thor MX. Uh, Thor MX, the gear of choice of a uh, guy who just won Toronto Supercross, Ryan Villapoto. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this, and uh, don't forget the code on BTOsports.com to save big money is Pulp MX. We change it every now and then, so keep listening, and uh, you'll get it if you want to support the show. Live from BTOsports.com. With me uh, on the line is uh, my boss, Jason Wygant. Good job holding down the fort, making me not go to Canada. I'm much appreciated. You're going to get a raise for that. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Not mm-hmm. happy with you. Uh, but this week, Wygant, um, we we thought we were doing good by having Jason Thomas, who used to race. We, we think only one year out of competition. So, you know, we're pretty close to the ground floor of Supercross racing. Uh, but this week with him gone, down in Chile, probably starring in the next Liam Neeson Taken movie, uh, we've replaced him with a guy who actually did race Toronto, kind of. The great top Jimmy Albertson. What's up, Jimmy? Nothing. Just I raced Toronto but didn't didn't make it out unscathed. I am uh yeah. currently with a cast on my wrist, so that's not good. So I think I'm gonna I'm actually retiring. For four to six weeks. Right. Okay. So and I'm probably going to come out of retirement. Right. Stage to come back. Um, so that's what we're saying. Yeah, that would work actually because then when you come back in six weeks or whatever, we'll talk about how these comebacks never work for anybody, but they'll work for you this time. You know, we'll be like, yeah. he, he barely lost his old level. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Think how much better a story it is to be like, oh, he's coming back off for injury or, dude, this guy just came out of retirement. Right. I know that's what we're going with. I'm not. I actually shouldn't even tell anybody I got hurt. I'm just gonna say I'm, you know, ah, retiring. Right. You know, it's just not for me anymore. Good point. Um, so yeah, Toronto uh, LCQ down the start straight, ugly carnage and broken wrist for Jimmy Albertson. Really was man. I don't even know what happened. To tell you the truth, I just like all of a sudden was flipping across the ground and then got up and was. Mm-hmm. I thought I was okay. To tell you the truth, I went even on the like. Flying home, like, the next morning, I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a sprained wrist or whatever. And then mm-hmm. it just kept on swelling more and more and more. And finally, like, my brother looks at me and is like, dude, that thing is massive. You look like, uh, you know, look like you weigh 400 pounds by looking by your wrist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's freaking massive. You can't even see your knuckles that go in. So got checked out, and sure enough, freaking broken scaphoid. So. Uh, well. Yeah, massive bummer. Heal up. So we'll talk more about the race than about your Toronto. Oh, for sure. Well, I watched the race. So. <laughs> right. Um, uh, Why can't? But first of all, we need to, you know, first of all, get to the bottom of um, 
Now, obviously, uh, I do some work for X-Brand Goggles, and Jimmy, you wear um, Beer Optics, which is a line of X-Brand. So I, I've, I'm on the Jimmy Albertson bandwagon. Um, I've always thought that, well, last year we've, we've covered this. I, I thought you would do much better last year with uh, a salary and a support and a great ride and a good team. And I thought you'd do better. So did you. We've covered that. Uh, but I was still on your bandwagon. But there was, there was a, there's one of us on this call that was not on your bandwagon, solidly not on your bandwagon. And it I, was, was not, I was not on the bandwagon. There's major friction on this, on this phone line right now. You can practically hear it. Yeah. Like two sticks rubbing together. It's going to create fire. There's so much friction. Um, at Anaheim 1, uh, when we found out the news you would not be racing because you were sick that night, Mathis asked me if I'm on the Jimmy bandwagon or not. And I said I'm not because I thought you had a good opportunity last year and I thought it was going to be an awesome season. In my opinion, it was not an awesome season, and I'm thinking, well, he's not going to. Is he going to do better? Like as a complete privateer, like how's he going to do better? Now you actually have done better, but as a true American, I am not going to be a flip flopper. I am not going to change and waffle. So I'm just going to stick with what I said at the beginning, no matter what the facts say. So I'm <laughs> never going to be in the bandwagon because once you say you're not, you're a flip flopper. So I'm off of it. Off of that. Sorry. You're just yeah. completely off. <laughs> All the time. And then, hey, I respect that. And then when you... I, mean, I really never liked your announcing, so... <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get to the bottom of that right away. Um, I mean, I just think I could do a job. But, you know, personally, I could do it better myself, but, you know. Right. <laughs> I've, heard you're, I've heard you, actually. You did it, uh, what, Colorado Donations, for example? Yeah, I've done a little announcing the day. I like cool. doing it. Yeah, I think it's, it's easy for me because I, like, follow the sport really close. Like, I know freaking the guys that are not even qualifying every weekend just because I just, I don't know, I happen to pay attention to little stuff like that. I'm just a big fan of the sport, so I find my, like, honestly, like, like jobs like, you know, presenting jobs, that's something that I would really, really be stoked on if I could get into after my, my racing's over with, but mm-hmm. I guess we'll just have to see. And then, there's a few times this year where, where you know, you won LCQ in front of Ryan Dungey, and you know, you put in some good races in the heat, and I've been like, what about now? Well, I get, what about now? And he'd just look at me and go, nope. Not allowed. That's not okay. Allowed. Hey, it's, no, it's okay. No, I'm not, like, I'm not going to get mad at the guy because he's not on my racing bandwagon. I know, I know he loves me as a person, so that's all that matters. You know how the world works, man. I don't want to be a flip-flopper. If, if, if I right. were to say now Respect. that I think you're doing well, they'd say I'm backtracking. So I just got to stick with what I said at the beginning of the year, facts be damned. But now, but, but now, why can't? Because you like it's not. You're just not on his bandwagon. But now, I'm because, not allowed to be. But because you're not on the wagon, you're instantly now a hater. Like you hate Jimmy. Like there's no in between. You can't just be like, eh. You, oh, you know how it works. You know how. Oh, uh, yeah. Take this season has been tough because, I mean, Davy Millsaps started the year off really good, then had like two bad races, then he had a good one. Filippoto started with bad races, now he's having good. I can't keep up with, like, when you're a hater or when you're a supporter. Yeah. I like to say at the races, for example, when we go by the Cowie truck, and they're like, Mike Williamson, Filippoto's mechanic, is like, you guys blew up Davey Millsaps, and you took a dump on the champ. And I'm like, it almost sounds like we said the guy who won the race did good and the guy that didn't win the race did bad. It almost sounds like we reported exactly the way it turned out. (laughs) But no. Yeah, no kidding, right? Oh, that's stupid. I mean, honestly, like, at the beginning of the year, Davey was, like, he was so damn consistent. Like, it was just unreal. Like, every, he was getting starts up front, and he was staying up front, he was just 
podium every weekend. Like, why? And on top of that, you know, we're looking at a guy who's never really been, when everybody's healthy, he's never been a, a uh, you know, a, a challenge, like a, right. like a top guy. Like, he just hasn't ever been considered one, you know, in the 450 class. And then he comes out this year and he's just killing it. So, like, who else would you talk about? It would be, if you weren't talking about Davey Millsaps, you'd be a complete idiot. Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, again, what is the deal um, two years in a row, no Toronto? You've been to Toronto. You've talked how much you like the race. I've seen you buy street meat on those carts after a night oh, of yeah. drinking. Um, but no Toronto, two years in a row. What the F, bro? I think it might even be three. Really? Yeah, I was thinking about this. Here, It's, it's simply a matter of logistics. I, I moved out of West Virginia. But Toronto is still drivable from there, so it's cheaper for us to send someone from Morgantown who can drive than to have me fly. So I don't know if I will ever make it to Toronto if that's the with that economic model. I don't know if I will ever make it back. It's a good race. It is. It is. Albertson, um, you like it? You like the race itself, like the the dome, the city? I mean, obviously customs. I'm going to hear about customs from you and in the border. But do you like it? Uh, border, border. Honestly, like yeah, it's a good race, and border's not even bad. I mean. I've been used to flying in, you know, flying to the country from, you know, bigger, definitely bigger cities, you know, going into customs and stuff like that. And it's really nothing. I mean, you wait in line for maybe, maybe at the most an hour. So it's not even that big of a deal. So mm-hmm. and, I think it's a good race. Yeah. The dome's cool. It's downtown and all that. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The one thing that does suck about it is everything's a little more expensive. Really? You know, yeah. And, you think so? Yeah. I mean, it's just a little more expensive. You go go out to eat. You're looking at spending, you know, me, five bucks more a meal than you normally would down in the states. And then I don't know. It's, five, five other bucks. than that, I mean, other than me just being a cheap ass, it's <laughs> right. I mean, it's a fun. It's a fun event, and the stadium is cool. I really like it. So. Let me let me ask you this, and I've asked a lot of a few riders over the time, Jimmy. Um, does it feel like you're in a different country? Like. You've traveled. You you race the GPS. You know you've tra- you've been to a lot of different countries. Uh, does Toronto feel that much different than say New York City or or you know somewhere like that? It it smells different. Oh, it's yeah. Got, <laughs> it, yeah. I, I honestly I said that when I I didn't have anybody to say it to because I traveled alone. But if George <laughs> would have been there, I'd be like, man, it it smells a little bit like Europe. Like I don't know how to explain it, but when I got off the plane, I was like, it smells like I'm in Europe right now. And I don't know why, but it just did. <laughs> so uh, it, it's like, I don't know. It definitely had a different feel than the, than the U.S. And then obviously when you're driving down the street, seeing all the, um, you know, all the signs in French as well, you know, it's a little bit. Then everything everything in centigrade, like you watch uh, mm-hmm. watch the news and stuff, and then the, uh, the kilometers is and everything like that. So, oh, yeah, it's geez. definitely, you know, you get that foreign feel, but then, and then again, you're just, you know, you're right right across the, the way from America, so it's not that big of a deal. All right. Um, all right, let's get to the race. Uh, why? Hey, get... Now that I know that things oh. cost that much more, I'm definitely never going back. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah it's over. There's no cheaper <laughs> There's no cheaper human being than Jason Wygant, Jimmy. There's no, no cheaper. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm out. Hey, let me ask you this, Jimmy. Um, you are going there for business purposes. So at risk of getting you arrested by the IRS, it is tax time. How do you get through the border? How do you explain yourself? Because I've screwed and fumbled that up so many times. One time I nearly got detained. Well, I was detained for like 45 minutes because I didn't get my answers right. So how do you explain it when you go across the border? 
I just say I'm going going to watch Supercross. Which which is not a lie. Which is not a lie. It's not a lie. No, I do watch it. I might watch it. Well, I might watch it on my dirt bike <laughs> while I'm riding it. Right. But I am watching it still. I got an awesome seat on a dirt bike that's on the track. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the front row view. You could make a case that late in the main late in the main event, you really aren't racing. You're just really riding. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um. Exactly. Uh. Yeah, that is a little touchy subject. There's a lot of mechanics that can't seem to make it for Toronto every year. It's a very strange deal. They, they, they're always back in the shop working that weekend. You know, it's stupid because I think people go over there, too, and when they come in, they, they're like, what are you here for? Oh, we race professional super – like, they try to, like, dig it up. Like, I don't know why. They're like, oh, professional motocross and supercross. Like, then they start – asking questions you say you're going to watch a race you're going to you know you're going to watch a supercross race and they ask you you know what you're doing i'll oh, just going to watch you know like make it's, it as um, simple as possible <laughs> it's uh you know you know when you travel in europe a lot you just walk up there they stab your passport they let you go you know they don't really care the canadians care about money they don't care they just want your money they want to tax you on you know, your winnings or why are you going to Canada because I'm, I'm doing it for work. Well, are you making any money? We want to tax you. Are you going to buy anything? We're taxing you. We want to tax you. That is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not, there's not any national security stuff. McCoy Gibbs complained one time about his laptop getting uh, swiped for bomb, bomb residue or something. But it's really, <laughs> it's really tax. Tax money is what they want. That, that's it. Um, all right, let's get to the race. Uh, <clears throat> Jimmy, did you go to the autograph thing on Friday? No. Okay. Um, we had some controversy with with the whoops. Uh, Why again? What do you What do you make of that? Chad Reed tweeted the whoops were big, and and uh, you know, of course, everyone complained and, and and agreed with him, and it actually caused the Dirtworks guys and failed to go back in and and knock the first three to four down a little bit to help the guys out and give them a bit of a run. Um, Why again? Where do you stand on that? Was he out of line in doing that? Is that called for? Um, is it the fact he put the smallest rider in Jason Thomas in between the whoops? Is well, I was that... going to say the big loss, Jimmy, is that you didn't go to the autograph session because if Reed had had you stand in the whoops, they would have been like, shoot, we need to make these things bigger. They didn't even look at anything at all. See, they, they only invited small riders. You had to be under yeah. under five, six to go, and that's why I wasn't allowed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what do you think, so, Jay? I've, I've noticed that any stand I've taken on almost any subject this year, I've apparently disagreed with Reed. You know, the Villapoto red flag gate and all that stuff. Um, so I think I'm going to disagree here again. Like, I know nobody knows a Supercross track by look and feel better than him or as well as him. He's, he's right up there with the all-time greats. But it does seem weird to, you know, without even having ridden it, which I know is what you wrote at Observations, without even having ridden it to ask for the change, A, B, everyone seems to be asking for the tracks to be harder. And that made the track harder, I thought. So I was kind of confused when I heard about that happening. Yeah, um, I, I, I think the tracks have been way too easy this year, and, and, and they tried to make it tough. And you know, and then he, he didn't say, like, he didn't tweet a photo of JT in them and say, big whoops. He was like, these are dangerous, I think he used the word. You know what I mean? Like, he went a little further than I felt like he should have. What do you think of all that? Are you aware of all that, Jimmy? Did, did you know what Chad did? No, no, I, I saw the tweet. I saw everything. Um... What do you think? You know, obviously, 
everybody respects Chad Reed. He's a you know past champion, pretty smart dude. But um, I agree with Jason. Like, who freaking cares? They're they're whoops. Um, honestly, by them shortening them up a little bit, it seemed like it made them really sharp in the middle. So then people couldn't even roll through them. Although how they were at first, it looked like you could just jump through them and be all right. But then when they redid them and made them smaller, it actually almost I think made it made them a little more dangerous to tell you the truth because there's only the option of skimming them after that. There wasn't an option of going through the middle of them. But, um, like, you know, they would have been just fine. The way the track broke down, like, they should have just left them. I mean, honestly, I like the whoops being big like that. I felt like they made them smaller for the night show, too. I know. And in, in practice, I felt awesome. And I'm like, they're nice and big. And I felt like I was hitting them, one of the better riders hitting them. And then they, for the night show, everyone was able to get through them, you know. So it's, they, it is what it is. I think Toronto's track as a whole is the best track all year. Tell you the truth, yeah, it had some tricky rhythms. Yeah. Um, there were some, there were some cool jumps and stuff like that. So I yeah. don't know. Are I you... think that it was kind of silly that he that he did that whole um, all this track is dangerous thing. Are you with uh, Are you with me in thinking that the tracks have been too easy this year? Have been too simple, too cookie cutter. Um, I mean, yeah, boils I mean, down to just, a start. It's so, so tough to build tracks like with the bikes being as good as they are nowadays. You know, right. it's, yeah. It's, it's, they've been easy, but then again, you want to keep the speed up and you want to keep all that going, you know. If you notice, a lot of times these tracks have been starting to get so quick, like, you know, they're really pushing to try to make it in the high 50s and lap times. And before, it seemed like there used to be a lot of tracks that were over a minute long mm-hmm. in the season. And now bikes are getting so fast. I mean, they're having to throw walls in to slow us down, you know. It's, um, it's tricky, you know, and you just, there's a fine line between an easy track and a dangerous track. And, you know, either they're going to be criticized, oh, these tracks are way too easy, you know, but or they're going to be criticized saying it's too dangerous. And to tell you the truth, we're looking at, we're being, we're quite a ways into Supercross, you know. We're, all, we're in the last five rounds, and there's not any top guys hurt. And I think that's a really cool thing. You know, if, if by the tracks maybe being a little more easier, now no one's, no one, not so many riders are getting hurt. I mean, I think it's good for the sport, you know. It's when you got the top five guys still showing up to race, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, my contention is though, in twenty eleven we had the top five guys there and tracks were harder. You know, it, it injuries are just going to happen, whether what what they're gonna happen during a Wednesday afternoon, they can happen on a you know, um on a Saturday night, you know, and I don't think the tracks have much to do with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I just, I kind of disagree on that. Tracks do have a bit to do with it when, because you know, let's face it, man. If there's a gnarly section, and somebody goes out there and they do it, one of the top guys, and they're doing it, then everyone's just, they're gonna do it. That's just how competitive these guys are nowadays, and you know, well, it's a dangerous sport. Know. It's a dangerous sport, Jimmy Albertson. You know, it is. And look at me, I crashed down the straightaway. So. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was, there was no jump. The He's idea, right the idea behind the whoops, were to create a Daytona-like roller section, um, and I guess none of us were there on Friday, so we can't see what they originally were like. But that was the idea, and Chad took it to think that they wanted them to skim, and so that's what happened. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. you know, every one of us here respects Chad Reed, and we know what he means to the sport and what he's done, and. 
he's no dummy by any means. So, you know, it's just uh, – it's not bagging on him so much. It's just – I don't know, you know. Uh, six out of the first eight hole shot people, you know, won the race, Jimmy. So it was a getting to be a little bit frustrating watching everybody trying to just do the same, exact same obstacle. You know, the, one of the races, the top nine guys were in the same second. And that – there isn't nine guys who could win the race, if you know what I mean. So Yeah, I agree. Like, that's the like, point. Are you talking about Toronto this weekend, right? No, no, no. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I forget what, what oh, race it was. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. But Toronto, yeah, I Tor- don't know. It, it, is, mm. it is. Like, it's tough. But obviously, like, I mean, look, he's winning the championship. Yeah, the guy same, who's won same guy. The last few years. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's it's not like, oh, man, these tracks are so freaking easy that, that, you know, now we got some goon out there winning, you know, now now Jimmy Albertson's winning races, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. they're not that easy. Obviously, the same guy who's won them the last two years winning the well, championship again. So. And, and that's always gone to something James Stewart has said, which he's, he, he's mentioned a few times about the tracks. You put two barrels out there, and the top guys are going to win the races. You know what I mean? Like, you put two barrels and just go around and around, and, yeah. and the top guys will win no matter what. So that's always been his thing. Um the track itself, though, it was outdoorsy, Jimmy. It was uh, – berms were loose, and it was some ruts, and it was a little – you know, I, I love the fact that there was – you know, after the whoops, you had that triple-triple section. Um, 250Fs, eh, three, four, five guys could do it. The rest couldn't. I love that. Coming out of that turn, yeah. triple on, single off. Uh, not everybody could do it all the time. And as the track got rougher and more beat up, that's what I want to see. I want to see – Guys struggle to make obstacles. Now, whether it's struggling because of the ruts or the dirt's down to the concrete or the size of the jumps, which is, I think, for 250Fs what was happening, I just want to see guys be not able to do everything if they're not perfect, like two-stroke days, you know? Yep. And I think Toronto is a track like that for sure. I think Toronto is honestly the best track all year, Well, looking back at it. Because it was in Canada, for one. Yeah, yeah, all right. (laughs) Uh, All right, Wygant, what would you take from the race uh, watching it at home? Um, I would have loved to have seen if Dungey hadn't stalled. I think that was getting to be a really good battle because Dunge was coming and Millsaps and Villapoto were holding each other up a little bit. Um, Great ride by Villapoto and a great ride by Millsaps. He's back, sort of. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, I mean, it might look like, oh, well, he, you know, finally got back on the bike and his knees maybe healed up a little bit, and that's why he's back. But, you know, you watch enough of these races, and you know that's really hard to do. Like, once you lose that momentum, uh, you have kind of a dream season going, and you have a couple of bad races, you lose the points lead, you're fighting injury, all this stuff adds up. To just go back out there and get a whole shot and ride the best you can for, I think, what, 12 laps he led? You know, under pressure. Like, he could have folded or thrown in the towel or tanked you know, 15 different ways. Right. But instead he said, nope, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to D.C. shoes, refuse to lose, and go for it, even though I didn't win the race. I mean, that's a big statement that he's at least, you're at least going to see the absolute best effort he can muster no matter what the injury situation is. So I think that means a lot. Right. I mean, um, we've seen guys in, in that situation just crumble, you know, pressure injuries, whatever. So uh, as far as Dunge catching, it, it certainly would have made the race more exciting, but – I don't know if he would have been able to get to the point where he was going to uh, make a pass on the lead. You know, he would have had to get Millsaps first, and maybe he could have done that. Lopoto <clears throat> laid down two crazy hard laps yeah. uh, to get away as soon as he got Millsaps. Um, so at the same time, Dungey and Millsaps would have been battling. I don't know if Dungey would have gotten there. And he was close in the previous race, too, and couldn't, couldn't make it happen. So it's a little bit much, I think, maybe to say, ah, oh, 
that cost Dungy a win, but it, I guess no, it cost him a shot at it. Yeah, I don't think it cost him the win. It just cost right. him. I think uh, I think what we saw was a great race. We saw f- top five guys. Yep. And I tweeted this during the race. Uh, you know, the combined Supercross total was like nine thousand wins. They were yeah. top five, and yeah. it was on. And um, <clears throat> we'll get to Stewart in a second. Don't know what what happened there, but um, there was there was like that right before Villapoto made the pass on the finish line jump. Yeah, I mean, you had those top three guys were wheel to wheel like they were in the same corner at the same time what 12 laps in you're like man this is good yeah <laughs> yeah i was i thought it was a great race on the great on the best track of the year um but the more you make jimmy the, the <clears throat> talking about tracks the more you make them uh looser ruddier rougher the more villapoto is going to shine huh yeah villapoto and i think dungy too to be honest with you mm-hmm. um the track was gnarly at Indy, and Dungy rode so well. Um, you know, honestly, I think if Dungy could have, at Indianapolis, if Dungy could have kept on sticking that little line he had where he was slingshotting out of off-camera and right. doubling into that section, um, if you can recall that race, yeah. then I think he would have won. Like, he was picking up so much time right there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, just judging after the first, practice at Toronto after I went out there and all the berms are kind of those ones where you, where you like two wheel slide in and skate around them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at that point you just know it's Filipotos track, you know, right, right. that's, that's his deal. He just, he steers with the rear tire all the time. And, you know, honestly, I would have put a lot of money down on Filipoto <laughs> winning if I was a betting man so yeah. <laughs> at I, I... Toronto because that's just, that's his deal. Yeah, and I think uh, just like St. Louis, and maybe a little bit like Indy, uh, looser dirt, um, more traction, you know, that kind of stuff just favors that guy because he can just pin it. The uh, yeah, the the why well, can't the old Millsaps though? I got I think the old Millsaps had he hurt his knee, had he, um, you know, lost the points lead, had a couple of bad races. I think the old David Millsaps packs it in. I was impressed. Yeah, that's my point. You know, it's easy to say, okay, he just needed a good week of training under his belt to get right back to the level he was, but that's hard to do. Yeah. It's like once you lose the pull in this sport, once you lose that little edge, that little confidence, whatever, it's hard to just jump right back into it. You know, he and uh, so that's why I think it was impressive, even though he didn't win the race. Yeah. That doesn't matter. The point is, yeah. he's not going down without a fight. Yeah, good to see. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. What about Chad Reed getting passed twice by Ryan Dungey? Man, I thought we were going to see some magic there. Uh, you know, he knew he was getting some surgery done. He knew he was uh, um, getting getting going to be gone for a race or two or maybe longer. I thought, eh, maybe he's going to reach down. But kind of, Jimmy, it was kind of just kind of re- reminiscent of Reed's 2013 season as a whole. I mean, he's good, but he's a tick off. Yeah, I mean, he just, I don't want to throw any names out or call any names, but he's just getting he's getting older, man. I mean, right. it's tough. you got to give a guy a lot of respect for, for still getting out there and doing battle like he is. He's still mm-hmm. good, obviously. Yeah. Um, they just, I don't know, there hasn't been that race where he just came out and freaking and killed it yet, you know, and yeah. I don't know whether or not, the, obviously it's probably not going to come this season, and I think he's frustrated too because you know, in Chad Reed's mind, the guy still thinks and knows he can win championships, and it just, you know, he raced all year and didn't didn't really 
I mean, there was that. I think San Diego was his best shot. Like it looked like he was going to win that race if he wouldn't have gone down. Um, you know, when he was right behind Millsap. Yeah. And um, you know, it kind of it seemed like since then he really hasn't been fighting for any sort of win. And right. I honestly, I think the knee surgery is something that he felt like this this Supercross season. I'm really not going to be. You know, I'm really not. I'm not in the championship anymore. I'm not really going to be fighting for races. I really think he wants to get his knee fixed and and have a legitimate shot at this outdoor championship. It's pretty amazing to be 12 races in and have two podiums only for Chad. Yeah, you know. it's tough. And he gets, like I said, he's been riding good. <laughs> Obviously, he's had some races where he rode terrible, but you know, he still had the speed at times. But I don't know. I think he just wants. You know, every everybody at this point that's not doing very well, just wants to, you know, you know, tear the page off, throw it away, and start over, you know? Yeah, I mean, look at you. You broke your wrist to get out of Supercross. Yeah, it's just awful. It's just because the tracks are so easy. I wanted yeah, to get done with it. Yeah, threw yourself off your bike on the start straight. Threw, your bike, oh, threw yourself off the bike on a start straight. Um, yeah, I just jumped off, you noticed, in the film. Uh, Jimmy, did you happen, when the whoops were really big, did you happen to get passed in practice by James Stewart going through them? <laughs> He does, man. He rips the whoops. Right? How fast was he going when they were big? Like he's insane. And I, I, you know, I I really think for one lap, man, that guy is just. I think he can just pull his focus together and do whatever he really wants because he's been pole position so many times this year. Well, he won his and he just, yeah. I don't know. It's ridiculous, and it's hard to say. Like sometimes he'll be a second lap faster than everybody. He'll go out and win his heat race, and then just completely die in the main. What's the deal? You know, I mean, honestly, What's... he's out of shape. I mean, that's the only way to really look at it. You think? I mean, he's got to be, and there's no way you can go that fast <laughs> and just get worked in the main like he does. What do you think, Weech? I mean, this is going to be terrible for us to throw that kind of dagger at him, but I know what Jimmy's saying. Like, what else can you point at? You watch that heat race, uh, and you're like... Well, first of all, he had to, first first of all, he had to, like... first of all, he had to get by the filthy Phil. Yes, he did. Yes. And um, he went around him on the outside of the sand turn, was <laughs> left of those whoops, and then killed that triple and threw a tear off at the same time. And I know, okay, okay, it wasn't, he wasn't passing Villapoto doing that, but Filthy Phil was riding well. He's a professional rider. I mean, he blew past them around the outside, and he looked so good right there. I'm like, there is no way, there is no way anyone's going to beat this guy. He's going to win the main event. Just look at him. And then... It just doesn't make any sense. Like, a couple laps into the main, I'm like, wait, he's just still there in fifth. Like, the other guys were like, we got to get around Reed quick. He's not as quick as us. But when he got there, he was just there, right? Like, was he even – you couldn't see it on TV. Was he even challenging Reed much? No, 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 no. No, he wasn't. And like you said, yeah, the, the uh, Villapoto was punching Millsaps in the swing arm and, and ramming him every corner. Go, I got to go. And – and and Millsaps all over Reed in the beginning. I got to get past you and Dungey all over Reed. Like you're you're slow, old man. Everyone was in a I'm gonna get this dude mode except for James Stewart. He was just kind of riding there. But and, after that heat, really- and honestly, if he really does have a knee injury, like torn ACL, maybe he's not riding much during the week, and maybe he's not able to train. And that would that would make sense, you know. But man, it sure looks like to me he's. You know, that's another thing. If you're not riding during the week, your pace is off. Well, but he's told you know, us he's told us that he has been riding during the week and he has been getting been able to get on the bicycle and things like that. So Yeah, so I mean obviously I don't know. 
it's it's really hard to say. You you would don't want to attack the guy's fitness because that's kind of like attacking his uh, that's kind of like attacking his like want to win because people who want it they train hard and they do the right things, but um, you know there's at the end of the day there's really nothing left to attack other than right. his mental his his mental focus wouldn't be the only other thing. He can't mm-hmm. focus for for twenty laps and put it together. What do you think, Weege? Did you not like Canada? <laughs> yeah, but it's the same thing. Um, it's not just Toronto. I mean, even last year, you were hearing the strangest things. You know, like, his bike is set up for eight laps, not 20. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what <laughs> What are they? Is this Days of Thunder where they got a special stagger on it? Like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> you know, like, but it has been the case for a couple years now, even on different bikes. And I will say, in defense of the Suzuki, the mistakes he's made this year have not been the whopper crazy crashes that we saw the previous couple of years. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah. Yeah, no, we haven't like, seen those cartwheels and yeah. Right, because I know a lot of people are saying, see, he's not doing any better on Suzuki than the Yamaha, but I think if you're would, James... Would those, guys saying, ha- would those guys happen to have a shop in North Carolina? Well, yeah, certainly those guys included. <laughs> but as you know, in this industry, there's no shortage of people that have an opinion on James Stewart, so it's no. not just... Yeah. But um, a lot of people are like, he's not doing any better. But I will say that if you're James, you probably feel a lot better because we haven't seen the cartwheels. But a lot of the same stuff has happened. Like, in a heat race, he looks absolutely unbeatable. You're like, why even race the main event? Right. He's going to win. And then he's just not the same guy. I've never seen anything like that. And I know what Jimmy's saying. What else can you possibly point to? Yeah. No, yeah. You, eventually, right, Jimmy, you run out of things to say. Like, you run out of, like, it's time to look in the mirror. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really, like I, like I said, I don't want to sit here and attack the guy. But I honestly think that he's not in shape, and that's why. You know, you look at guys like Filippo and Dungey, man, those dudes are fit. Like, they're they're brutal. They they can keep on going. Like, there's one thing for sure. When you watch Filippo, you're never like, oh, man, it's lap 15. When's he going to start making mistakes? It's like the guy's like a, you know, he just, he keeps on getting faster and faster. Yeah. He doesn't get tired. And it's the same deal with, like, you know, I see what Trey does all the time around, you know, the shop and stuff. And, I mean, the guy just, he lives it, man. He's, he eats right. He trains hard. He does all, everything. And he doesn't, unless there's, unless he's just completely struggling out there, he doesn't get tired, you know. Right, right. They just don't. It's 20 minutes. These guys train like crazy, they don't get tired. That's just how it is. One thing for sure, Jimmy, he stalled it the last two weeks. Something that Jimmy Albertson never has to worry about with his recluse clutch. No, maybe that's his problem. I think that might be. You get James Stewart a recluse clutch, I think he's champion. Right. Even this late in the game. Right, yeah, even this pulls through from seventh in the points or sixth in the points or whatever. Uh, Yeah. um, I just think he wants to get seventh because – his whole gear company, his number. It just looks wow. good on paper. Jeez, Jimmy. He's six right now, but your buddy Trey Kennard is coming back. He's four, four points behind him. So yep. it could could work out. Um, wow, okay. Never thought of that. Good. You know, why again? It takes, takes a guy like Jimmy to come in and tell us why James is getting beat. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost starting to change my mind and get on the bandwagon here, but nope. Did you, All about number seven. Did you, why again, did you go to JGR on Monday? Oh, yeah. What is going on with Justin Brighton? I think, um, 
they're open for suggestions. I mean, if you want to <laughs> drop a, a, something in the box there, right. uh, it is not. Wow. It is not good. That's, and I, I was out with them in uh, Indy also after the race in Indy, which they don't always go out after the race. So I think that tells you right there what kind of night they had. Right, right, right. It was even worse here. Because um, I, as you learn not going to Indy, you have a lot of questions when you don't see it live. What is, what is, Jimmy, what are you, what is going on there? Hold on a second. Jimmy, what are you doing? I'm, I was went outside because it was hot inside, so. Well, we're good now. Don't do that, that ever again because we couldn't hear a thing while Gant was saying. It was just all windy and stuff. Well, oh, dang it. worth listening. I'm ruining it. <laughs> okay, Wygant, carry on. So I had to ask some questions. I mean, I already knew how upset they were after Indy. Then I come into this one. I'm like, hey, I didn't. I only saw it on TV, so I have a few questions. <laughs> a, did Nicoletti pull away from Brayton in the heat? And they're like, nah. Yay, he kind of did. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, then I also saw he was 10th late in the race, and Gerke was behind him, and then Gerke got 10th. So did Gerke just eat him up? And that was a very harsh, like it was a harsh truth that they didn't want to cough up, but they eventually I'm, were like, yeah, Gerke worked us. I'm, I'm telling you that these people, Jimmy, and you can vouch for this, there's so many people, and I've heard a bunch of riders this year, talk about how they can't believe that Matt Gerke beat them. They can't believe they can't catch Matt Gerke. They can't believe Matt Gerke is even in the same lap as that. It's eventually we just got to all admit that Matt Gerke is much better, Jimmy. And he's not an insult anymore. I don't understand why people come out and say that Matt Gerke's not, you know, a top-level rider. He's the guy's won Outdoor National before. He's, you know, I remember back in 2007, I believe it was, the dude had the points lead in, in – He's supercross after three rounds, you know, like he's a legit rider. He just, you know, he had some bad injuries and, and, um, as far as like that, that set him back pretty good, you know, and he went up to Canada last year and I know people think, Oh, it's Canada or whatever, but he won the championship up there. That's not a easy thing to do really. I mean, those guys are fast and, um, he basically dominated and he's a good rider. And for, for people to, um, to by any means, say that it's a big disgrace for to get beat by him is it's kind of silly you know he works hard and he's super talented the bike's good I think, I think honestly the yeah between a rider like him and brayton um you know i would say that's a very that's a very close even match and and outdoors i i would say that gurky's a better outdoor rider yeah but hold on jimmy jimmy last season jim uh, justin brayton got second twice week i think twice yeah, and even this that particular race was one of them. It's that time again. Thanks for listening to the Racer X podcast show, brought to you by BTOSports.com, presented by Thor MX. I appreciate it. Don't forget to click on the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com to help out PulpMX.com. We appreciate it. Listen to these commercials. Buy from these sponsors. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.
Monster X Podcast Show is brought to you by BTOSports.com. Whether you are looking for new gear, helmets, boots, or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up, BTO is your source for all of your motocross needs. As a proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM race team and the heart of the BTO Sports amateur motocross team, it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store. We support the sport that supports us. us. We at BTO Sports want to give back to you, the listener, for supporting us and the Racer X Podcast Show. Use coupon code PULPMX when placing your order at btosports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. For 2013, JT Racing enters its next generation with the all-new Evolve Lite, ProTech, Enduro, and Limited Edition collections, taking quality and innovation to a whole new level. Also available in youth sizes, each collection is built with high-grade materials offering its own unique characteristics to meet the demands of today's riders, both recreationally and competitively. To find a dealer or view the entire collection online, log on to JTRacingUSA.com. Championship proven. Many motocross apparel brands make that claim, but only Thor can back it up. As America's first motocross apparel brand, Thor has set the standard for delivering the highest quality performance racewear on the market for the past 45 years. With champions like Ryan Villapoto, Blake Baggett, and Dean Wilson to name a few, our products truly are championship proven. To see all the new 2013 products, visit ThorMX.com or head to your local Thor Parts Unlimited dealer. Thor, the official racewear of Supercross. Yeah, Brayton's, Brayton's made the podium a couple times, you know, five times, let's say, in his career on a Honda and on a JGR, maybe not on a JGR bike. I just wouldn't put them in the same category as Supercross. But it, no, but oh, it, but, that little Supercross, we're well, talking about two different, like, I, honestly, this year I would. Well, clearly. Uh, clearly what yeah. I would have to say is it's a lot different when um, some riders ride a lot better whenever they're riding for podiums rather than riding for top ten. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't like there's sense. certain like like Kevin Wyndham. You know how sometimes Kevin Wyndham was out there riding for tenth place and he just looks awful. But then there's a there's a couple guys out and he's riding for you know first or second and he's just going for it, going so fast. I think um, you know when Brayton's got that opportunity to get on the podium, he rides a lot better. But when he's cruising around there, I mean, there was races this year that um, that I was in. You know, the race that I got eleventh or eleventh and twelfth in that Brayton was the guy in front of me. And man, at one point in time, like he's three seconds in front of me, and I feel like shoot, you know, I can I can get him by the end of the race. And granted, I only finished a couple seconds behind them, but like. We're talking about a guy like me, you know, and the guy like Brayton. We're, you know, 15 laps into a race, and he's only a couple seconds ahead of me. But, you know, if the guy's out there fighting for second place, he's like, or the win in a heat race, he's he's wicking it up two or three seconds a lap slower, you know, or faster. But got to be some frustration at the JGR truck, Wygant, because they had to go to Canada, which Coy Gibbs hates, and Brayton's riding. It. It's been rough, man. It's been rough. And and we already talked about the nut punches and the gut punches. Right, yeah. Bill doing well, and then Stewart finally righted the ship and got a win. Um, but I think this Brayton thing is really perplexing because no injuries, no real thing changed, but it was only, what, a month or so ago that we were like, man, he's at San Diego. almost yeah. as fast as that entire league group. Like, he's pretty much in that picture. Yeah. Same yeah. guy. Yeah. I don't know. Well... 
you know, he hit his head at Daytona. Maybe that's still bothering him. You know, he he raced. Yeah, he's not. They're not. He's not saying that. They're not saying that. They're not using it as an excuse at the very least. Uh, Hey, last night on the Monday night on the Pulp Mech Show, why again? Kenny Watson was in, not happy with us and the Brock Tickle. He says he happens, quote unquote, he happens to listen. He happened to listen to one show, just one. Not happy with us in the Brock Tickle thing. Said that the competition is way deeper this year. He has stepped it up. And he's getting the same results as last year, but the field is way deeper. And we're all idiots. No, I'd say that he's getting this, the result as placed back exactly where it would due to the competition. I wouldn't say that. Because right. last year, I think he was getting, like, he got a sixth was his best race last year. Has he gotten a sixth this year? No, his best has been eighth. Yeah. Right. So I feel like it's the same thing. It's moved back a couple, couple of spots. Right. Well, this just um, in. Kenny still thinks you're dumb then. Feelings, feelings mutual. <laughs> uh, and uh, hey, why can't you should have been there in the uh, you know Alan Brown from the NFAB Tie Loop team usually finds us in the press box, sits by us, yeah. and hangs out. All three of his guys in Heat One, they all made it. But Belos was getting hunted down by Albertson. Nicoletti, we know, is like a grenade with the pin pulled. You know, you just never know. Um, and Canari was Canari was six or seven, so he was solid, but. Big pressure up there. Uh, Albertson, you uh, you made his night when you fell over in that turn. Um, Alan was very excited. All three guys in the main event for the first time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it was a bummer for me, obviously. I was yeah. thinking, I, being behind that, that group of riders that I was behind, I wasn't able to, to do the rhythm sections that I was doing in practice. There's a pretty big triple-triple out of the corner and then turn and tripling on the table. And, what? and um, you know, I, it just took me out of my whole game, the whole heat race. I freaking rode like crap. And I noticed that, and I'm no Gary Bailey, you know, I'm no Donnie Hansen, but Albertson, you were going inside and rolling, and that was like the slowest of the three options. You know? Yeah, I know, but it, honestly, like, yeah, I should have been at least doubling in yeah. Uh, yeah. into that deal, but I would go triple in, and then the way Blos was taking that corner, he was doubling from the outside and crutting across, so... If I were to triple, I'd be like just – I probably would have landed on him or, or hit him or yeah. something. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It could have been yeah. bad. So then I'm rolling, and then I'm wanting to try to get inside and stick my front wheel on him, and then I can't get the double, so then I'm rolling again. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just – it was awful. Like, every single lap, I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. I just – it was brutal. After the whoops, well, again, you made it right, and you could go outside and triple, triple. Uh go in the middle or inside and go double, double, double all the way through or do what Jimmy did and it's roll, double, double, single. And it was probably yeah, I did that one lap because I tried to pass blows. Right. But most of the time I was going triple, double, single, roll into the inside, roll, jump on, jump off. And it was just so awful. And, oh. I mean, every single lap in time qualifying practice, like I was hit, I felt really good in that section of the track. I was just going triple, triple, Outside, right. triple on, off. And, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's a good second and a half, at least, probably two seconds by doing that. And, um, you know, I just freaking bonehead moved it. It was it was not good. I just wasn't really thinking too much. Right. Um, hey, it's very actually similar what specifically um, I was talking to J-Bone about on Monday, where they were mad that I guess Brayton caught up to short. And short wasn't, um, I think the section they were talking about was probably, it was one of the toughest sections. It was 
where you could triple onto the table. That was right after, yeah, right after that, triple, triple. Right Right after that, yeah. I think that's the section they were talking about. And they were mad because I guess Brayton was jumping that, Short was not. And then once Brayton caught up to him, he wasn't jumping anymore because I guess he's afraid of landing on the guy or like Jimmy's talking about, you know, you're in different lines, different jumping rhythms. It's kind of scary. And they're telling him, well, you need to just not be scared of that and just be willing to crash if that's what it takes to pass a dude, but don't get stuck behind him and then lose more spots. So, Jimmy, just talk about how crazy that is, actually, the idea of I'm going to take off from this jump. The guy behind me is doing something different, and I won't know what happens until we land. Like, that has got to be gnarly. It really is. I mean, honestly, the last thing I want to do is go in and freaking and land on somebody's arm or land directly on them or just completely plow into them. It's like, you know, I hate to say it, but at the end of the day, obviously I'm hurt right now, but at the end of the day, I don't want to freaking – I don't want to get hurt, you know. I mean, yeah, no one wants to get hurt, but they, there's got to be a point when you say, okay, I can get him somewhere else. And not saying that, <clears> like, I could I could have passed him somewhere else, you know. Right. It's not worth risking it and landing on somebody and getting a couple guys hurt, you know. Well, but what if it's the last spot on the, for the main event, Jimmy? Does the attitude change? Well, clearly not with you, but does it sometimes well, it, change? It, it did because I actually, that's how I went down. I jumped the inside. I didn't triple, but I... Right. I double singled it inside, and I stuck it in, and I bumped up against him, and I ended up going down. But, um, yeah. but you know, it's yeah. the attitude does change. But at the end of the day, it's like, man, that's like something big time. If I'll hit somebody, but I'm not going to do it dangerously, you know. Right, and that, and I think that yeah, I mean, I've had a few riders when I was a mechanic. I'd, I'd say something, and they'd be like. Yeah, dude, you go out there and land on them, or you fall, you fall from thirty feet up onto the ground. You, you know what I mean? It's it's not easy. There's one guy, no. Jimmy. There's one guy who doesn't care though. Weston Pike, he doesn't care. No, he don't care about it. like he honestly, that guy is pretty brutal. He he freaking he'll do anything. <laughs> he'll plow anybody. And same same thing with Vince Freeze. I mean that guy. He's a nihilist. Yeah, it's just it, they don't freaking care. They don't. Um, they don't look at the big picture ever. I don't think. <laughs> Why again? How about Nicoletti, twelfth? Yeah, what a turnaround! Wait, is that the ultimate example of you know once you do it once the rest come easy? It's not just the twelfth. It's the zero mains and what the first seven or seven, seven with it. Yeah, seven races. Now no. every he's made every one since he made one. Right. 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 Yeah. And and the flip side is our buddy Jimmy here who made five or six in a row. And hasn't made the last three and won't make the last five, by the way, either. I'm predicting. Yeah. Um, it's tough, right, Jimmy? You, you you lose that edge, and it's tough. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I got sick at Daytona, and that was a big one. Like, I, I honestly, I didn't even want to make it the main because I knew I'd only last by <laughs> right. a couple laps, and it was just like, it was it was just a bad setup from day one. and the, Or from the, you know, I wanted to freaking leave Saturday morning and go back home. I just, Felt like crap, and then in um, I had a big crash the first practice, and I just started off the night wrong. You know, when you crash and your confidence is knocked down, I just I rode like crap all night after that. Just really, I think I qualified twenty first, and then I was the last person not to make it in the main. So it was <laughs> it was about right, you know. I, right. I qualified basically. Yeah. I ended up where I qualified. So, right. um, but then at Toronto, I felt. I fell back like I tenth qualified tenth, and I had a bunch of lap times that were, you know, around that would have qualified me in the same spot. It wasn't just a fluke deal, and uh, 
you know, like I said, that heat race, you know, the guys in front of me just kind of took me out of my game. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't riding like I was. I was just riding whatever pace they were, and it um, threw, threw me off. And then I, you know, no, as far as that goes, it sucks. And now my season's over, obviously, after missing three in a row. But, you know, I, I got to look at the good thing. I did, I did improve this year, so. You did. You um, know. Oh, well. Speaking of a crash throwing you off, though, and that's a nice segue to the 250 class. Uh, I'm impressed with Muscan because he ate shit in practice hard, and that was only one of, I think, three crashes that he had. Yeah. And, yeah, and, he was on the ground a lot right. at Toronto. And, and to tell you the truth, he really he wasn't good. Even though he won his heat race, he did not really ride good in his heat race either. Yeah. You know, like his times weren't really that great. And, uh, you know, I think it was Justin Hill was just like – yeah. Hill was on him. all over him, you know. But in the main event, he was the guy, man. No one, no one could touch him. He got out front early, and and you know he was just cruising. Right. That's another guy, like you were saying, when the tracks get rough. Um, you know, when the tracks get rough, and he then riders actually got to start making decisions and and coming up with new stuff. He's one of those guys that just you know he picks the track apart and mm-hmm. and kills it. Yeah, hard to beat with a clear track. Um, yeah. Why again, what did you think of Muscan's rod and, and, and the whole main in general, 250s? I still want to go back to this crazy okay. thing about momentum and how that works. Um, you know, they're saying he pulled that crazy start in Daytona because he picked a gate that had a little extra gap in it. He could <laughs> see the pin. Did you hear about that, Jimmy? Do you know about that? No, I watched it. It was insane. No, but, but, but why again, ask Jimmy. Ask Jimmy the deal about is, the gates of Daytona, there were two gates that basically had a, like a six-inch gap you know, between them, like left to right, so he could see through the bottom and see the pin, and that's why he got such a good start. Supposedly, that's the gate he picked. Is that's the reason he told me he just guessed and just went? But that's what he says. Anyway, the point is, his season was not going really that well until the point he got that whole shot. Now he's been unstoppable. He can't even help himself from winning. Like that, like Morton crashes. Is that crazy? How the momentum works? Like that one start has turned his whole. Everything around, not just the season, but think of the difference between if he gets third in East Supercross and he wins the title. Like your whole career is different at that point. That's nuts to me. Yeah, it really is. I mean, one start changed everything. Yeah, yeah I mean, when it comes to that, I think it's just for a rider like him, it, he needed to prove to himself that he could be the fastest guy on the track. And like, I think a lot of times. Guys don't understand, and you and you forget how much easier it is when you start up front, and you have that clear track, and you can just ride your own race. And um, you know, I think that's what he did. He went out there and he rode his own race, and he realized, like, hey, you know, my pace is the pace. You know, that is <laughs> that is the fastest pace there is if, if I can get out front. So right. now he's got all that confidence. What was that noise in the background, Jimmy? Was it like a jab of the hut, or what, what was, was it? Four stroke? <laughs> it was actually the the Honda guys are out here at Trey's right now. I'm just out hanging out at Trey's place, and they're doing a little testing, and and uh, Dan Bentley was screwing around. It didn't sound like a bike though. It sounded like some sort of creature. It was a um, uh, eighty, an XR eighty. Oh, okay. All right, there we go. Yeah. Um, Java the Hut edition. All right, so symbol of a motorcycle. Um, yeah. Okay, so Muscan or Han? Like, who wins this thing, Jimmy? I mean, honestly, it, it's it's hard to say. I 
And as far as, like, picking Six. somebody that you just like, that's a good, likable guy, like, dude, they're both awesome people yeah. on top of that. Like, for me, like, I know, I've known Marvin since I've raised TPs and such a nice dude and just freaking always smiling happy. And the same thing with Will Hahn, like, just you couldn't find a nicer guy. And um, as far as, like, speed-wise, like, shoot, Hahn's been on it this year. Like, sometimes you watch him. And I watch him in practice at Toronto. I'm like, he man, looked, he's just he looked unbelievable. Like, he's flowing. He's yeah. on it. Like, he's a you know, second lap quicker than everybody doing jumps that nobody else is doing. And then, um, you know, it's going to be tough. I think if the tracks aren't quite as rough and rutted, then then um, then Hans is going to be really tough to beat if it's just more like a typical supercross. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if it gets gnarly and rutted out and there's, you know, some a little bit more of a outside-the-box thinking, I think Marvin Marvin can take it. But it's it's going to be a nail-biter down to then. It's definitely going to be a last well, taken down to the last round, barring any type of a mistake from either rider. Houston and Minneapolis and Vegas are left. Those, if we go by your theory, Jimmy, those are going to be typical supercross. Yeah, yeah, those are going to be your typical supercross tracks, probably. Um, yeah. What do you think, Wygant? I think I think Han's okay. You know, it's easy to say the other guys won three in a row, but man, he was fast, like you said in practice. He was blazing. I think in the main, he was. Safe to say he was just as fast, maybe even closing a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think he's okay. I mean, if it was just like he's hanging on by a thread, but he's not as fast, he's not winning the races, it's just a matter of time, that's a different story. But I think, you know, if they go head-to-head, he's got just as good a chance of beating him, and he's got a six-point gap. Right. So even if they went even up with these next couple of races, oh, I, you... I'd still put Hana head by a nose, I'd say. And you love that, you where you slot him in first and second. Well... I do hate the theory of saying, oh, all we scans got to do is win three in a row and Han will get second three times in a row. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, in this 250 East, we actually saw that race happen at Indy. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's almost going to happen no matter what. Like, they uh, got first and third from starting 19th and 20th. Hey, Jimmy, let me ask you this. It's something that I wrote in my column, which I'm sure you read already and studied. Um, the, if you're Han, you're saying to yourself, yeah, sure, I've lost three races in a row. But Muscan has never passed me to win those races, right? That's what you're saying if you're Han. You're like saying, I need to get a start, and I can win. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that is true, though. If, if Han does pull the whole shot, no one's going to beat him. Right. Um, well, so, and, <laughs> I mean, that's barring any, like, mental laps that he has. You know, mm-hmm. like, he's definitely the fastest guy in that class. Even when... uh you know, Wilson, there's a, that race where Wilson was coming from the back and almost got him, and he, he held it together. I I really think, um, and like you said, not ever being passed by Marvin, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, you can you can pull that confidence just saying, hey, look, yeah. he can come out and just say, I am the best guy, you know, basically, because he has been. He really hasn't been passed and, and beaten Wilbur. Right. Right. And um, you know, I don't know. It'll be it'd be cool for him, man, because Will sure had some, and the guys had some shit luck over the years. And for him to come away with a championship would be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, both guys, like you said, both guys to win it would be good. Uh, Jimmy, did you see the Freeze Thompson collision? Were you up in the stands by then? No, I didn't. But oh, I was kind of wondering what they were going to do about. I, I mean, I obviously saw the aftermath of it, like the riders laying down in between the finish line double. Yeah. Um, was it a freeze takeout? I, I didn't even really no, no, look no. into it. If anything, it was a Thompson takeout. Thompson went on the inside on the finish. Freeze went outside, and they collided on the, en- on the exit to the first turn. And 
Thompson literally dragged Freeze up. They both locked bars. They went up the face of the jump together. Freeze somehow got his leg caught in Thompson's rear tire slash swing arm area, and they he dragged Freeze down the backside of the finish jump. It was awesome and incredible and gnarly all at the same time. That's crazy. So Thompson, Did he beat him? Thompson was scored fifth at the bottom where the transponder is located, as we all know. <laughs> the official scoring is at the top. And I still think Thompson beat him to the top. Honestly, I was like, yeah, Thompson beat him. Thompson beat him. But the guy who was closer than I was uh, ruled that Freeze got him. But it was really? it was very exciting. Okay, That's no crazy. Way. No one got penalized or anything <laughs> no. for any bad riding. That's good. I'm very confused. So um, Freeze went over the jump basically riding Thompson's bike, like connected to Thompson's um, bike. No, 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 not at that point, I don't think. Oh, okay. Yeah, at that point they were just tangled together with handlebars and jerseys and, you know what I mean, arms and everything else. But How is it possible to be in the dude's swing arm but actually be ahead of him at the same time? Like if they're going down to he was ahead, and I don't know, are they going by body or bike? Because it sounded like it was all separate. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was kind of like happened after the top top of the jump. Freeze got in there with his foot. <laughs> it was like sliding home. Like I'd yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty pretty remarkable. Um, Nosing the guy out. Jeremy Martin rode well uh, to get fourth. He was all over Wharton at the end. Um. Jackson Richardson from Australia, ninth place. Dakota, seventh. I, I don't know. He looked good for a while, didn't he? He did. He did. Um, what about Pro Circuit? Wygant. Terrible. Terrible season. Ugh. Yeah, because Hill, I, mean, I know that you guys are saying that maybe Moosecan wasn't quite on it in the heat like he would be later on, but I mean, obviously, he can't take away. The, he was all over the guy that won the previous two races in that heat. Uh, it looked like he was really setting himself up to have a kind of a, a step forward for the night. Mm-hmm. Do we know what his deal is? I know he's going to get checked out on Monday. No, yeah. His dad His dad said today, four weeks, broken uh, radius or something. Oh, gee. Maybe the same thing that um, that Jimmy has. I don't know. What do you got, Jimmy? I, What's wrong with you? Yeah, I, I actually broke my skate for it, my navicular. Oh, okay. All right. But it's, um, I don't know. I was kind of worried when they said it. But then they were like, oh, well, the way you broke it, it's, like a really easy fix we just put a screw through it and he's like we put you in a hard cast for a week after surgery and then after that you get your range of motion back and then for four to six weeks you can start just depending on how x-rays go you can start riding right hmm. so that's, i mean that was pretty crazy i broke my right navicular before my right scaphoid and it was it was five weeks that i was back on the bike and riding pretty normal so right right not you know, not as scary in, as an injury as it used to be because of, you know, just medical yeah. technology now. But, um, you know, I'd say a radius, depending on how it's broken with Josh Hill, those are those are kind of tough because you lose a lot of range of motion with um, with a broken radius. Yep. Yeah, just, you know, because you obviously yeah. got to be in a hard cast with those and you're not able to really move for a while. So you're looking at, you know, you might be looking at six weeks with it broken, and then once you get it out of the cast, you're looking at another two weeks trying to get your movement back in it, you know? Right, right, right. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, a, it was an exciting 250 series, although, you know, it's opening the door for a lot of guys that we wouldn't normally see. Uh, Peter, Peter's got 10th. Larson got 11th. That was all good. Um, if, you're pro cir- if you're pro circuit mm-hmm. and you're down to this, okay, so you're hearing that Dura might not be able to even start at Hangtown. Yeah, right? that's what I'm hearing, Starting yeah. Here. All right, so Baggett. 
Uh, he's. I actually was texting him during this show, as a matter of fact, not paying attention to anything you guys were saying. He's saying he's staying on the down low right now. I've heard he's actually riding, but, I mean, I saw him at Daytona, and that wrist wasn't good. So that's him. Um, Wilson's not even riding the 250 class, so it doesn't matter for that particular subject. But, yeah, Wilson might, Wilson might not be ready for the 450s either. I think he will be, but. Okay, so here's what I'm getting at. They are completely devastated in every direction, every angle. Is it completely insane for me to say, Christophe Porcel, to give you a call. What do you got going? What do we got going? Is, uh, that, you know, I never is that completely wackadoo, or is that logical? What do you think, Jimmy? I, I think they, honestly, that would be a, a good idea because, um, you know, Christoph, he obviously he's a he's an awesome rider and he's he's been there and done that before the the lights class, and I really think that um, that he rides the lights class or the little bike really well and that 450. I don't know. I think just he doesn't really. I don't know. Again, I don't want to tax guys' uh, fitness, but it seems like he's even in the GPS is getting tired on that 450 mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, the lights class might be something he could he could do. You know, and he can he can use his finesse a little bit, and he's a little bit older and smarter than some of the lights guys, and and he can go out there and possibly fight for a championship. But to be honest with you, I think that um, Rocks in this year, Tomac, Musk, when these guys are way better riders than they were last year, on top of that, and they're a little more experienced, like. I really think that Rocks is going to be a huge threat this year outdoors. Um, mm-hmm. Tomac, obviously, his fitness is just unreal. You know, at um, at Daytona this year, the guy was just <laughs> pushing at the end of the moto. You would have gave him a couple more laps, he would have been on the podium. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. As far as, like, picking, I really don't even think that Purcell could be a, a possible um, champion this outdoor season just because I really, I don't think, Obviously, the guy's been in race mode for a while now. He's just been kind of, who knows what he's been doing, you know. But I guarantee just by the way the guy, you know, presents himself that he hasn't been just, you know, he hasn't been pulling a Rocky and just been training his ass off. I can guarantee that. Yeah, yeah. He probably hasn't been doing much, just kind of waiting for a call to get a paycheck. But, um, you know, I really think that they should really look to put um, Wilson on a 250. Really, huh? Yeah. You know, if they want, if their best, that's their best chance at a title is putting Wilson back on a 250. And whether or not he wants to do that or not, yeah, you know, yeah. if Wilson wants to be a 450 guy, that's cool. But I, I think it might be a good move for Wilson as well to get back there in that 250 class. And and you know, if he can, if his fitness is good enough, I really, I think his speed will be just fine. Or opens the door for Cian Cirillo too. Yeah, um. it's going to be a tough one for him because just because he's a. He's still, um, you know, he's still pretty small. And he's not quite as strong as guys like Tomac and Roxon, right. but um, you just never know with a rookie, you know. The the Porcel thing is interesting. Um, the last thing I heard was that he burnt the bridge with Mitch when he wouldn't give him back his bike, his 450 bike, a couple of years ago. But then again, in our sport, a burnt bridge is only as burnt as the need to win is. Yeah, that bridge can right. be repaired quickly. Uh, by yep. Monster and Cowie and and Mitch wanting to win, you know. But uh, that's an, I never thought of that. Why again? That's, that's a good job. Maybe, maybe. I had a little help today. Oh, you did? Talk, oh, talking to some guys and we threw some theories around, and I'm like, right. wait a minute. Right. Once I found out the Hill situation, I mean, you're literally looking at possibly not even having any riders. 
Except who, Davalos? <laughs> at the moment, Davalos is the only uninjured Pro Circuit 250 guy. We're going into the outdoors with Martin Davalos. Says our guy, we're putting all of our support behind him. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty brutal. Um, right. I mean, I heard, that, I heard rumors of Jimmy Dakota's riding for him for the last couple of East Coast. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I heard the same thing. You know, I think that would be pretty cool. I think that he's... Um, I would take Thompson. Yeah. I would take Thompson over yeah. Dakota's myself. Of course you would. I don't think you're. I don't think you're really changing for for. Um, I think Thompson may be a little more consistent, but man, sometimes Jimmy Dakotas is one of those riders you watch, and he's got some uh, special things go. about him. You here know, he doesn't. He's not scared to go out there and hit the big rhythms. He's not. You know, he's he's kind of one of those guys that you watch, and you're like, all right, man, this guy's like, this guy's not scared, and that's that's a cool thing to to watch. Not not saying that um Cole Thompson doesn't he doesn't impress me too because he really does. He's got really good style and stuff. But um I think Jimmy D could really do some damage on a good bike. Wagan, can you believe this? Can you believe this? Hey, he's got a lot of cheerleaders, there's no doubt. Popularity is <laughs> not lacking for Jimmy D. Everyone loves Jimmy Dakotas. Everyone loves Jimmy Dakotas. He's like the high school hey, I'm not saying that I'm not saying Cole Thompson would be a, I I'm I like Cole Thompson as well. I think that they're yeah, both yeah, good yeah. picks. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Maybe they should just they should just put them both on bikes. There we go. Maybe got room for it. Maybe they can put him. There's, like, yeah, there's two of them. Why don't they just throw them both on on bikes and then freaking whichever one does the best in the last three races, they give one of them a ride for outdoors. What if you got some sort of machine where you could mold Thompson and Dakotas together? Thompson's consistency and fitness with Dakotas's raw skill, or or just just Jimmy Dakotas with Cole Thompson's legs. Yeah, there you go. That, that would be a lot better. There that would go. give him the consistency. Right, I think I saw it, that. It, in... it helps a lot when your when your butt sits more than three inches off the seat. I saw that in a movie once, but then it turned terrible when the fly started taking over the human altogether. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it was it was going yeah. it was re- really cool when you could climb the walls and and do all that as a human, but eventually it got ugly. Yeah, nobody likes a full blown fly. <laughs> no one likes it, but they do like fly racing, don't they, Jimmy? Yes, they do. Fly racing is. Incredible. Um, all right. Well, hey, um, anything else, you guys? Why can't you got anything else? Nope. I, I the Purcell thing that was my contribution this week. That was it. I heard Purcell was talking to uh, talking to H H and H. Is that? Am I just making that up? You heard uh, an internet rumor that was confirmed by people at at uh, RCH, but only to get the journalist who was trying to confirm it excited, but not going to happen. No. Yeah. Well, let, you're not far off, Jimmy. Like, the, the, I think the team is saying that was just a complete joke. It was not a complete joke. There was some reaching out. Is that correct, Steve? There was some communication. Um. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I think. I, yeah. There was. There was something there. Right, yeah. It's right, not right. going to happen. But there was some communication. If they say that there's absolutely nothing to this, like we never even spoke, I don't believe that's true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they confirmed it to a member of the media, and then. Uh, but they were like laughing at each other while they were confirming it. So then they get mad at the media. That's kind of weird. Kind of a weird deal. I, no, I don't. Think I got a. Um, I got a little actually little topic that um, that could be good to talk about. Um, Cra- crappy announcing. Crappy announcing. Because that's what. Um, I heard that Ryan Sipes is racing four fifties at. He is. Houston. He is. Yep. And that my my man, he could be good. He well yeah like, he he can always be good. Ryan's got some talent for sure. Exactly, and I really think that he's a 450 guy. Like he should, 
He needs to get out of that I, class. He, he could be really good. Every time when I told him he needs to get out of that class, he told me, well, are you going to pay me what I can make in the 250 class? And I'm like, well, I guess not. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, I don't know. I really, he, right before he got hurt, he won that heat race on the West Coast, which West Coast Lights is like, you know, after watching the East Coast guys, West Coast Lights is like freaking gnarly. Oh, wait a minute. And, but, yeah. whoa, wait, you're a hater. Oh, hater. You, they, oh, they, why don't they give these guys a chance? Why don't you care about these guys and these privateers? They're trying just as hard as anybody. It's not, it's not. Well, okay, being a 450 guy, I compare my lap times to the 250F class a lot. This weekend, I would have qualified second in the 250 class. No, Jimmy, you know, we, like, we get it, but we that's what we get from, from listeners because we've been saying it also. We've been talking about the terrible 250 East class, more JT than anybody, and there are some people very upset with us. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. The track gets beat up way more for the 450 classes, and I've never qualified really like looking, judging into the, 450, the 250 time. I'm always top five in qualifying, taking mm-hmm. my time and putting in a 250 class. Yeah, man. In the West Coast division, I if I was if I qualified 15th in the in the 450 class, I'd be like 12th in the 250 class. Like, right, the right. guys, the guys are fast. I mean, yeah, the track gets beat up a right. little more, but just yeah. going to say, like, yeah, yeah, there is a good 15 fast guys in that in that 250 lights class. Good th- out west. Good theory. Huh? You know what's funny, get? too, is that the lights class in Europe this year is really not stacked at oh, all either. It's terrible. Unique. It's terrible. Um, Wygant, well, that, that was something that Thomas could never give us, those kind of lap time comparisons. We might have to bring Jimmy back. We might. We might have to kick that other guy to the curb who's in South America or wherever he is. Bring on Jimmy. I like that JT, <clears throat> JT doubled over the United, the United States. He went from Canada to South America. Yeah, yeah. Cleared it. <laughs> Um, all right, Jimmy. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. The BTOsports.com Racer X podcast presented by Thor MX. Uh, we appreciate it, Albertson. No problem. Some good quality I'll, insights. I'll be down whenever because I really don't got much to do You're, you'll nowadays. Be, you'll be down because literally you will be down. Yes, downtime equals right. being down to do podcasts. All right. And uh, why can't people are going to get a little glimpse behind the scenes here. On live on the podcast. Uh, you want me to turn this around for you today? Yeah, you got a couple hours, though. I already sent Chase home for the day because we didn't have anything going for a few hours. So oh. get it to us tonight if you can. All right, we'll do. Thanks, guys. are begging. Have you not noticed? Oh, my God. I told him we weren't going to do it, and I got blown out of the water. But there comes Top Jimmy, injured and all, to the rescue. Yeah. We weren't, we weren't even yeah. going to do it, Jimmy, until, until, you, until you stepped up. It wouldn't be the first time I saved the day. It wouldn't be. No, not at all. Um, no. Thanks, Jimmy. I almost jump on the oh. bandwagon now, but nope. Got to stick to your guns. Oh, eh, don't worry about it. All right, I appreciate it. I'm you. not hurt. I'm off the bandwagon now. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's hurt. I'm off. Yeah, you're probably not going to be predicting any main events next couple of weeks. Soon. No, that's okay. I'm off the bandwagon too, so we can all three have something in common. <laughs> uh, say hello. <laughs> I'm to off my own bandwagon. I'm not on it anymore. Hey, it's uh, Honda's there testing, like you said, at Trey's. It must be nice for Trey to not have to go to Barsha's place in Florida and get beat down for the week. So now Trey will be doing the beating down on his own track. You know, what's funny is the track was brand new, and Trey didn't ride the first day um, just because he was still, like, he mm-hmm. still was going to take another day off from his endurance yeah. concussion and um, whatever. And, um, uh, you know, so technically, when Trey started riding, 
Justin had had more laps oh. on the track than Trey. <laughs> so right. It really didn't work out to his favor, but no, he looks, he's rode yesterday and he looks really good today. So imagine that everything's going good. You know, to be honest with you, last couple times you went down to Barsha's place, it was like, <clears throat> I want to say Trey was kind of the man. Oh, really? Like, oh, okay. I always figured, you know, how those, you know, how those things work. I mean, we, when at Yamaha, we would test at Timmy's house, and Timmy would be faster than Chad, and then we'd go test at Chad's house, and Chad would be faster than Chad than Timmy. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think that honestly, like these guys are so fast, and they get another rider that's um, you mm-hmm. know yeah. pushing them around the track. All of a sudden, you know, it, I, I want to say the first time we went down there, I went down there with them for the first test or whatever, and Barsha's fastest lap time on the place, like. He still had the fastest lap time by the end of the week, but it dropped like almost two seconds. Really, huh? Yeah. You know, just from yeah. those guys pushing each other so hard. Right, right. So it's good for him. All right, guys. Thank you for doing the uh, uh, BTOsports.com Racer X podcast. Toronto Supercross wrap up. JT, thanks for not Sounds doing good. it. Look at all the insight we got out of this. Yeah, F you, JT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See ya. See you guys. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200-episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.